I love Luke chapter 2. What, what a great chapter from the birth of Jesus. The angels sing in the old King Jimmy, On earth peace, goodwill toward men. On earth peace and goodwill toward men. I was uh, recently in one of the larger stores in our city doing a little shopping as you know, it happens, you know, all over the world, you know, beginning about the end of October, beginning of November, there are just Christmas decorations everywhere. And in this particular place, there's, there's a gigantic section, it's probably half the size of this auditorium, that's dedicated to Christmas decorations and lights and trees and toys, candy, wrapping paper, you name it, they're going to sell it at a reduced price, all of it for sale. And I was on my way to the checkout with all of my stuff when uh, I, was, I was stopped because the lady in front of me, a, a senior adult uh, lady, was pushing a cart and she was about to turn into one of these aisles that was going into the Christmas section just as a senior adult gentleman started to push his car out. And so his cart was sticking a little out. She started to take the turn a little bit sooner than maybe she should have, and they just about ran into each other. And we had gridlock. And she says, I'm trying to get into that aisle. And he said, I'm trying to get out. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I meant to say I'm trying to get in that aisle. And he said, I heard you. I'm trying to get out. And then they did nothing. <laughs> and then uh, the older gentleman's wife said to him, Honey, if, uh, if you just kind of go straight, then you can turn out. And that's what he did. He went very slowly, as slowly as he could push that cart. And as he did it, he was locked in on that lady, and he just, <laughs> as he went by. And I thought, oh man, I'm about to break up a fight here. What in the world? You know, I mean, he, as he pushed his cart by her, his eyes were locked on her eyes, and it was not saying peace on earth and goodwill toward anybody. Ah, sometimes we just miss it, don't we? We can be surrounded by all of the reminders, and we just miss it. On the, the, the day that Jesus was born, as Tony read for us, there were shepherds in the fields just south of Jerusalem. They're watching over their sheep. And it's night. And there's a little campfire, a bit of food, nothing extravagant, something simple. And there's relaxed conversation going on into the night the way that men do when it's night and they're in the field and it's around a campfire. And then all of a sudden, there is a great light out of nowhere. And it's no ordinary light. It is the light of the glory of heaven, which is a different kind of light than anyone in this room has ever seen. Now, it can be like regular light in the sense that, you know, this light from heaven, as it illuminates everything, it just lights everything up like when you turn on a light switch and you can see everything in a dark room now. 
But the light of heaven illuminates not just the exterior, but it lights up the interior of men as well. In the light of the glory of heaven, we see who we really are. We see who we really are in the light of heaven. I mean, think about it if you're an old, old bridge. And you might have some cracks, you might have some stress, fra- stress fractures, but nobody really knows it. You don't really see it in yourself until the weight of a gigantic truck begins to go across you and the weight of the truck and the trailer begins to stress the bridge and all of a sudden you know there are some cracks and there are some fractures that we didn't know existed beforehand. There's something, friends, about being in the presence of the glory of God that exposes the holes that are in our soul and the cracks that are in our character. The light of the glory of heaven can be terrifying. And in the light of the glory of heaven, there is an angel which only adds to the terror of that moment. And Luke tells us in chapter 2, verse 9, that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? They were absolutely terrified. It was common in ancient languages that if you wanted to to emphasize something, kind of underscore it, you would repeat it. Like, he ate with a big eating appetite. I mean, you just repeat it. And that's what happens in Luke's original text here. He says that the shepherds feared with a mega fear. They are, in other words, thinking that their life is passing right there in front of them. They think, this is it. We are finished. This is it. They think that this is all bad news. But the angel knows a little bit about humans and knows he's wise when it comes to humans. And the first thing out of the angel's mouth, knowing humans, is this. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. The angel says you don't need to be afraid because what I'm going to give you is not bad news, but I'm going to give you good news. In verse 10, he continues, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Good news, great joy, all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is the Christ. And right there you have it, friends. In big, bold words where we can never miss it, we have the Christmas formula. It's this, good news, great joy, all people. Say it with me. Good news Great joy, all people. Let's say it again. Good news, great joy, all the people. That is the big idea of Christmas. It's good news, the best news. It's the gospel. It's good news that causes great joy. It's for all, all people. Let's unpack that for just a couple of minutes. Let's start with the good news part of that formula. The angel in the light of heaven tells the shepherds that they have good news to hear and to absorb all the way down into their soul. Now, we've all received good news. 
We've gotten a raise. We've gotten a job. Somebody you know, we, we love very much has, has pulled through a surgery. We know what good news is. When you hear good news, there's just something that kind of lights up inside of your heart, right? It's something good that's happening. It makes you feel optimistic. There's a sense in which optimism about the rest of the day kind of blossoms in your heart. You feel strengthened. You feel encouraged. When you hear good news, more than anything else in the world, you want it to be what? True. When you hear good news, you want it to be true. Conversely, when you hear bad news, you hope with all of your heart that it's not true. Right? The angel of heaven says this. I have good news for you. The Greek word for good news was a very common word in the ancient world. It was the word uh, that we use as gospel today. It was used to announce the birth of a new emperor or a new king whose presence in the world was going to bring peace and prosperity for that world. Now, in the context of what we're talking about here in Luke chapter 2, more precisely, it is the Roman peace, that Pax Romana, which was good news for the Romans, but not so much good news for those that had been trampled over by the Romans like the Jews. In other words, it would have been good news for some, but not for everyone. So the birth of a new emperor, of a new king, would have been the first thing that they would have thought of when they hear this. But because they are Jewish, they would have heard a very different twist. There were, in the Old Testament, places like Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 52, there were places where good news was talked about. And it was going to be sometime in the future when the Messiah would come. And in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 9, You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, the exact same word. Lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Same thing true in Isaiah 52 and verse 7. How great, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce good news that your God reigns. There was this this dream in the heart and the mind of every Jewish person during this period of time that God was going to come back. And, And then when Jesus appears on the scene some 30 years later, he begins talking about good news too. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 14, after John, John the Baptist is put in prison, Jesus goes into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the what? The good news. The good news in Isaiah. The good news that Jesus was bringing was the return of God who was actively putting everything back together again. Everything that had been broken by things like pride and the misery that was brought because of idolatry. And the strife and the pain in relationships that were brought about because of hate. I mean, you get the idea. It was the good news that you could step out of one kind of life and step into another kind of life. A different kind of life. A blessing-rich kind of life. In other words, the good news is more than a message. It's more than just words. Even though words make up a message. The message, though, is more, the good news is more than a message. It is the announcement of a new reality. There's a new reality in the world because a Savior has been born. 
And the fact that a Savior has been born, that a Savior is coming into the world, means more than just punching your ticket to heaven at the end of your life. It means more than agreeing to the tenets and the principles of the Christian faith, of which all of these things are important, but there is so much more. What Jesus is announcing as good news is that salvation is about entering into a life with God. The creator of the heavens and the earth and everything in between. It's about a life where God comes to you, as Brian was talking about in the communion devotional, where God comes to you as somebody that loves you, as a father. That salvation is about entering into a life with God that doesn't wait until the end, but it begins in the now. That becoming a disciple of Jesus means following Him and experiencing a relationship with God in that moment. Now, the challenge we face is that we have lost how we, we've lost the sense of how good life with God really is. I mean, we believe that life with God is essential. Life with God is that's fine, but it's my home, it's my car, it's a big flat screen TV. That, those are the things that really make me happy. That, you know, like, yeah, God, part of the equation. But it's sexual pleasure or power or prestige or popularity or any of these other things that's really going to make me happy. That is getting rid of the Romans. That's really going to make me happy. But then Jesus comes into the world as a Savior and a Lord. And He says, follow me. And that means letting go of the old life, the old way of thinking, the old idols. And church, that's not bad news. Letting go of the idols, letting go of the old ways of thinking, the old life, that's not bad news if you understand the life that you come alive to when you become a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth. To be saved is to be forgiven. But more than that, to be saved is not just forgiven, but healed and reconciled and blessed and chosen and cherished by God the Father, even in the present, surrounded by Romans. And when you understand that, that that's what it means to enter into this life with Jesus, you'll do it with great joy, which leads us to the second point, which is this, great joy. Good news that will cause great joy. The, the good news becomes evident. The good news of the gospel becomes visible in your life because of the great joy that is just so palpable and contagious. Remember what it is that the angel said back in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, I will bring you good news that will what? Cause great joy. There's just something about this particular good news that if you really understand it and you embrace it and you believe it and you want it more than anything else and you allow it to go into the deepest recesses of your body, of your soul, of your person, of your being, it can't help but create this sense of joy. Now, we sometimes think that joy is synonymous with happy, right? And the feeling of joy can feel like happiness. I mean, it feels good to be happy, and it feels good to be joyful. But there is a profound difference. Happy is circumstantial. I'm, I'm happy 
that my team is making it into the playoffs. I'm, you know, I'm happy that I'm finally done with the last exam of that class I really didn't like. I'm, I'm happy because I, you know, I'm getting what it is that I was hoping to get. It's all circumstantial. Joy, on the other hand, is not circumstantial. It is transformational. Joy is a product of something that has changed on the inside. I remember one time listening to a guy um, talk with his mentor, and, he, and he, was, he was talking about this in a podcast. He said, you know, I thought that my life was over. I thought everything was coming to ruin. I thought that it would never be good again. I thought everything was lost. I would never laugh. I would never smile. I'd never be happy. I'd never be young. And I just went on and on and on and on. And I was waiting at the end of all of that for my mentor to say something profound. And he did, but it wasn't what I expected. After about 30 seconds, after an hour or so of just kind of raging, this guy's mentor said to him, I know this is a really tough time in your life, but it will also be a test of your joy in God. Joy is transformational because of something that has happened on the inside, in the heart, in the soul, that knows without a shadow of a doubt that there will be darkness and bad, the curse, hate and guilt, mistakes, but also knows without a shadow of a doubt that there will always be a light in the darkness, that good will outweigh the bad, that blessing will overcome the curse, that love will triumph over hate, that forgiveness will always prevail over guilt. Joy does not take the pain away. Joy does not take the suffering away, but it exists in the midst of it. Great joy, in other words, friends, great joy is evident of great news. Great joy is evidence of good news. So a question for us is in order. The question is this. Is great joy the evidence that I am a walking, talking, speaking, thinking, doing embodiment of the good news? Is great joy the evidence that I am a walking, talking, speaking, thinking, doing embodiment of the good news? That when people encounter you during the day, and maybe even on the worst of your days, that they can look at you and they can say, you know what, I, I know he's a Christian, I know she's a, a disciple, whatever this means, and I don't get all of that, I don't understand all of that, but I know there's something that's going on in that person's life that is generated from some place, from something that I don't have, and I want to have it. I think every generation is faced with the challenge of how to live as embodiments of this good news, to allow the great joy of what it means to be a follower of Jesus to be visible. The last thing is this. It is, you know, good news and great joy, and it's for all people. It's for all people. Going back to those shepherds who are keeping watch over their flocks at night. They were really, quite frankly, they were the very last ones anyone would have thought of, that anyone would have ever guessed, that an angel would have come to that group of men and spoken to them the news that he did. As shepherds, they were not highly regarded. They're not, um, they, they, you know, they were not 
They were not highly honored men in that time. In fact, this is why Jesus has to say, I'm a shepherd, but I'm the good shepherd. I'm not like any other. I'm the good shepherd. Because shepherds were just not highly honored. They were not credible. They were not to be trusted. They were considered vulgar. And yet, and yet the good news comes to them on the very day the Savior is born. Let that sink in for just a minute. When we think about good news, a lot of the time, it's not good news that might be good news for somebody else. It's good news for me, but it's not for maybe somebody else. When the angel says that Jesus is being born, this is good news, and it's for all people. The original good news that the angels are delivering to the shepherd is a good news that's good news for everybody, and they are the example. They are the point. The good news comes to them on the very day the Savior is born. The angel who tells them of the birth of Jesus then is joined by a lot of other angels, and they sing praise to God because there's peace that's coming to the earth. There is God's favor that is going to fall on men. And then just like that, they're gone. And the shepherds decide, you know, what are we going to do? And they look at each other and they say, this is, this is fantastic. This is unbelievable. We have just, we've seen something that we never thought that we would see We've heard something that we never thought we would hear. We've had an experience that we never thought we would experience. Let's go see. Let's go check it out. And they find, they go to Bethlehem, which was not a very big place at all, maybe about 300 people at most. Maybe as little as 200 people live there, as many as 300. They go there. It's very easy in a town that size to find where there's a baby that has been born. And they find the baby, the Savior just as it had been described. And then verses 17 and 18 of Luke 2. And when they had seen him, they spread the word. And when they had seen him, they spread the word. I mean, if, what are you going to do when you see Jesus? What are you going to do, church, when you've seen him? Like shepherds, knowing it's for all people, they spread the word concerning what they had been told, what had been told them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Uh, I have a challenge for our church. This um, uh, today was really kind of a message for us. If you're visiting with us today or maybe have not made a decision to follow Jesus, uh, we're so glad that you're here. And we would love to have an opportunity to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to, to understand what that good news is all about so that it can cause great joy in your life. And we'd love to give you that opportunity today. But for those of us who are disciples of Jesus, have been followers for a number of years, or maybe new followers of Jesus, the challenge for us is to think about our own life. If we've seen Jesus, are we spreading the word? If we have seen Jesus in our life and seen what he's been able to do, the power that he's been able to bring into our life, the changes that he's been able to wrought in our life, are we spreading the word about him?
And this next Sunday, we're going to talk about the difference that, that Christmas makes in somebody's life. We're not going to talk so much about whether it's true or not. The big question in the minds of so many people in our culture is not whether or not it's true or not, but does it make a difference? Does it make a difference? And the challenge before our church this morning is to bring somebody next Sunday for them to hear what the good news that causes great joy for all people is all about. Because here's the thing I want you to be thinking about all week. You have never met anyone for whom the good news is not good news. You have never met anyone for whom the good news is not good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the life that you give us in Jesus. Thank you for every blessing that comes to us that changes our life, that brings great joy into our life, that changes our character, that heals our souls, that, 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 that shows us a, a path, Father, of righteousness for your name's sake, that allows us to live this life in such a way that we experience, even in the midst of, 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 of trouble and in valleys and in darkness, there is a sense of joy and of peace and strength that comes into our life, Father, that is real. That is real. Help us to spread the word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.